I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pediapod for November 2017. This month we meet an early career investigator, Zach Fasoulis, and discuss his recent paper on cerebrovascular autoregulation in preterm neonates. Zach Fasoulis is a paediatrician at Washington University in St. Louis. His main interests concern the physiology of preterm infants as they are forced to rapidly adapt to the outside world. One system which is thought to falter in preterm neonates is the cerebrovascular autoregulation system, which helps to maintain a constant supply of oxygen to the brain. When this system falters in the setting of hypotension, it can lead to intraventricular hemorrhage, which in turn can lead to serious neurodevelopmental impairment. Zach and his colleagues recently published a paediatric research paper testing the effects of gestational age on the cerebrovascular autoregulation system. At the end of the discussion, we also talk about what Zach sees as a missed opportunity to collect data in the clinic. Here's Zach. I came to St. Louis after I finished medical school and started a pediatric residency here at WashU in St. Louis Children's Hospital. After I finished my residency, I stayed for a fellowship in neonatal perinatal medicine. So what is it about the physiology of preterm infants that you're interested in? I find it really fascinating because it's such a huge period of transition for these babies. They have spent the last four or five months inside their mothers with one pattern of physiology, and then they suddenly come out in the world, whether it's something going on with the baby or something going on with the mom, and are exposed to huge stressors that their body is not designed for. And the process of adapting to these sudden changes I find very interesting. So what sorts of considerations are there regarding things like blood pressure? Sure. So that is one of the the biggest questions that we struggle with as neonatologists. You know, going back 30 years in the literature, people have tried to figure out what a normal blood pressure is supposed to be, and, and we still haven't quite figured it out yet. We've come up with a few rules of thumb but they're, they're not things that are incredibly sensitive or, or specific for what helps babies to avoid injury. Can we expand a little bit then uh, with regards to your pediatric research paper on what we mean by cerebrovascular autoregulation? All of us have mechanisms inside our brain that are supposed to smooth out the blood flow coming from the rest of the body um, to make sure there's a stable, um, constant flow to supply the brain and on all the metabolic needs of the brain. 
And that's a, a complicated system that is influenced by a lot of different factors, some of which are things circulating around in our body, some of which are uh, native to the blood vessels themselves, the muscles and the stretching in the muscle cells themselves, and that helps maintain that constant blood flow. But this is a system that, just like everything else in the preterm baby's body, uh, is not quite ready for the, the stresses of the outside world yet and a potential source of injury. And the impact then of prematurity on this system can be profound, right? It can. You know, we, we know a little bit about uh, how the system works over a certain range of blood pressures, but once you get outside of that range, uh, the system doesn't work properly, and this prematurity itself may impact where those, those thresholds are. And another component of this autoregulatory system is something called oxygen extraction. What, what, what is that? Something that we're realizing more is that um, beyond the, the well-known mechanisms of autoregulation is that the brain itself, the, the tissues itself, can drive blood flow autoregulation. Um, when their metabolic demands change, it can send signals to the vasculature to increase the amount of oxygen that's delivered, and as a result, the amount of oxygen extracted. So that that something that that we focused on in this paper was looking at what percentage of the oxygen that's delivered by the heart to the brain um, is actually used by the brain. What exactly are the risks then associated with not having this autoregulation system working? Sure. So the, the biggest form of brain injury that we worry about in preterm babies is intraventricular hemorrhage. And the, that's when the fragile blood vessels inside the germinal matrix, uh, deep inside the brain, um, can break open under excessive hydrostatic pressure. The autoregulatory system is supposed to protect those vessels, keep those big surges of blood pressure um, from hitting them. Uh, but if that system fails, those blood vessels are on their own. So uh, in this paper, then, you wanted to look at this interaction between blood pressure, oxygen extraction, and um, developmental maturity as well, because we're talking about preterm neonates here. Tell me about the cohort um, that you used in this study. Sure. So we wanted to focus on um, babies that were at the highest risk of IVH. So that meant using a group of preterm babies, and we used the ones that were the most preterm. So we chose those that were born um, before 28 weeks of gestation. And then within that group, you sort of split it into preterm and even more preterm. We did, yes. And and that's based on um, the, the risks that we see anecdotally in these babies. We know those that are born the earliest are at the highest risk of brain injury. So we, we put those groups of babies together. They're between 23 and 25 weeks. And we compared them to more mature babies who, who often do better in the NICU. Um, and those were those born between 26 and 28 weeks. Okay, then, Zach. Well, let's get on to the results. But f- first of all, it sounds like you needed to take some very technically challenging measurements in this experiment. Uh, yes. As you mentioned, we really wanted to look at the multifactorial um, effect going on in, in each of these preterm babies. So to do that, we needed to use lots of different sources of information. Um, and we needed to look at both sides of the equation. So we needed to look at oxygen delivery. And the, the two factors we used there um, was the blood pressure of the baby. So we looked at the mean arterial blood pressure, uh, which we captured from the umbilical arterial catheter that they had, and then also their oxygenation. Um, so we used a pulse oximeter to, to measure uh, their oxygenation. So it gave us an idea of how well, the pressure of the blood was being delivered, 
with and then how much oxygen was in there. And the other thing that we looked at was um, their uh, cerebral saturation. So um, we used a NEARS device for that, which gave us an idea of the mixed venous saturation in the brain. And so what did you find then amongst the two groups of preterms? What were the clear signals that you were getting? Uh, well, so so the first thing we did was calculate the the fraction of extracted oxygen. So we um, took the difference between the the pulse oximeter and the NEARS device, and it told us how much uh, oxygen was being used by the brain at that given moment. And we also kept track of what the blood pressure was at that that time. So we were able to develop over the the entire cohort how they re- how these babies responded to normal blood pressures as well as high and low blood pressures. Um, and what we were looking to see if they behaved differently. And to be clear, in a, in a normal sort of healthy situation, um, oxygen extraction should normally be increased with a lower blood pressure. Exactly, yeah. So the, the rate at which the brain uses oxygen is dependent on three different factors. Um, the, ex- the amount of oxygen that is uh, being extracted, um, which is this oxygen extraction idea we've been talking about, the amount of blood that's being delivered, that's the cerebral blood flow, and then the concentration of hemoglobin in the body. And in this particular study, we measured babies over a short time period, over the first three days of life, so their hemoglobin wasn't changing very much. So we were left with those other two factors that have exactly that relationship that, that you're talking about. And, and that was seen, that normal that normal kind of uh, autoregulation was seen to a, to a higher extent in the slightly more developmentally mature subgroup. It, it was, yes. Th- those older babies behaved exactly the way that we expected them to. And tragically, the more preterm infants didn't ramp up their oxygen extraction. In fact, w- w- oxygen extraction with that low blood pressure, in fact, they almost did the opposite. They, they did, yes. Yeah, w- which was which was unexpected when we um, initially started looking at the results. Um, but they did exactly the wrong thing in that, that situation, um, which might be a, a possible explanation for the increased rates of injury in those babies. What can we do with this information? Presumably you want to do a larger study, but, but even based on this, I mean, what does this, what do these results mean for the, the clinic with regards to preterm infants? Uh, well, so one thing that I, I think it, it gives us an idea of is uh, to guide our blood pressure management. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we we struggle knowing exactly what the blood pressure needs to be in these babies for them to do well. And and I think this starts to give us a, a hint that in the more mature babies that we can perhaps be a little less conservative with their, their blood pressure management, that we don't need to start giving fluids or inotropic medicines to, to increase their blood pressure, you know, the second it falls below 30, um, that we can let them handle things on their own since their bodies can adapt. Uh, on the other hand, the most preterm babies, uh, I think, are giving us a sign that they can't adapt at all. Once they start to go outside of that range, um, it, it becomes a, a very dangerous situation for them. And we might need to intervene sooner um, that, than we do in that older group. Finally, you, you mentioned in your commentary piece in Pediatric Research this month that, that there was all this data taken on preterm infants um, taken by doctors. And then the data, which presumably could be quite valuable, is just sort of discarded. How would you like to see that change? Sure. So I think that's one of the biggest opportunities in, in neonatology right now. Um, that we, we do collect enormous sums of, of data in the NICU of all different types, heart rate, blood pressure, pulse oximetry. And we use it just for very short periods of time to make a decision you know, over minutes or hours. But that's lost. But there, there are all sorts of patterns that we can identify if we hold on to it and take the time to look through it. And I, I think these patterns can be very informative 
uh, both with what's going on with a baby, predicting what might happen to the baby, um, perhaps giving us early warning signs of, of something coming up ahead that we might be able to change the trajectory of if, if we provide the right intervention at the right time. So is this a call to arms then for your pediatric colleagues to start keeping their notes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it certainly is with uh, not without its challenges, but definitely something that will be a part of the future of neonatology. That was Zach Vasoulis from Washington University, St. Louis. And that's it for this month. Join us again in December for the next episode of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.